Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis. And Benjamin Holden. So we have a, a guest that we've uh, been willing to get on for some time now. She's made the trip down from Scotland, so thank you. Espe- to- especially for us, obviously. <laughs> it came down especially. This is the only reason she's down at ESG. <laughs> so thank you very much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. No, I'm really excited. But I'm really glad we got this. Your full name, Emma Story Gordon. Where does, a, where does a story come from? I've always wondered that. It's my mum's maiden name. Oh, really? So that's where you'd say. My mum and dad never got married. So, and that, well, actually, that's not true. They didn't get married till I was about 23. And then when they did get married, I double barreled my name. Ah. Yeah. But does anyone have to use it or does everyone just call it ESG? Yeah, actually, ESG. most people just call me ESG. Everyone yeah. call you whatever your Instagram handle is now. That's all I get. Yeah. My yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder who the hell I am when I call it. When I'm like, my name's Ben Halden. People just don't understand. Don't put two and two together. Yeah. I did get asked what my name was once. Like, really? what's, but like ESG, <laughs> like, what's your first name? And I was like, Emma. But then someone was like, it's not anywhere. Like, it's not, it's I've not, changed it's it, actually, but like, it wasn't, yeah, like, it, it wasn't, wasn't on anywhere. my Instagram. It was just ESG. <laughs> what, on Instagram, it wasn't anywhere, you mean? Yeah. yeah. It oh, didn't wow. say, like, my name's Emma or Emma anywhere. So, I'm Lucy Davis, fair. Mine's really obvious. My, Lucy Davis is very, that says it in the title, doesn't it? Yeah. But they still managed to get it wrong. Oh, they did. D A V I S. Honestly, when people spell my name like I E S, I'm like, that's Davies, yeah. not Dave Is. Yeah, but we're, we're all at an event tomorrow, basically, which is Liverpool Fit Expo, which has just kind of worked quite well for us to, mm. to tie in. We Love finally got in the books. I always prefer doing these now, though, in person than, than kind of over over the web if we can. It's just nice to have that social interaction. Yeah, with especially as well. after COVID. Yeah. It's Do you nice. find podcasts quite hard if you're doing them like online? With someone, with a guest? Or do you... What do you mean if there's like three people? Yeah. Yeah, Do you like struggle to read like their body language? I think it depends who you're with, doesn't Mm. it? Like when we've been doing lives and stuff, like it gets a little bit better because you kind of know when someone's naturally wrapping up and then you can make your point. But I think, yeah, you can talk over each other, which is (laughs) never... Yeah, and then Lucy's bought like the shittest Wi-Fi for our house ever. So you were in the middle of podcast guests. I'm actually not. (laughs) It's just, I think it's the location because you can actually tell it's virgin. <laughs> it's virgin. You can actually tell them online when it's down in the area and they keep knocking like money off. Yeah. So when we did... I'm like complaining every day, I'm like, my <laughs> Wi-Fi doesn't work and I'm on the top tier. So when we did the Ethan one, because obviously he's from America oh, as well so and the time zones were all over the place, I think twice it stopped and I was already before it literally dripping in sweat, shitting myself before we went on and the Wi-Fi just kept going off, didn't it? Why yeah. were you so nervous? Because it was someone He's who I'd so watched famous. on TV for years. You know, Ethan Supley. So it was someone I'd watched on TV for years. And it's like, okay, now we're going to do this interview with him. And he's been, you know, we've been on Joe Rogan. He's been mm. on other stuff as well. So kind of all those things are building up. And we, I don't think we'd done a podcast for a while because we just launched a new series. And I was like, oh my God, they're doing one with the guy from the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And yeah, That's I just, mad. I just, you know, when you build something up in your head as well to be bigger than what it is. And then when we were speaking to him, he was just, he's so cool, wasn't he? Yeah, he was so sound. He was, yeah, really, really nice guy. But he's been, have you seen his transformation? No. I've not seen it. I'll send you after this. It is mad. Yeah. He, Do you, you want to hear was... who it is? From, he's in My Name Is Ale. Do you ever watch I My Name Is Ale? I literally don't watch anything. I'm, I'm like the worst person. Everyone's always like, oh, have you seen this? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he was honestly, they had to, they had to weigh him on shipping, shipping scales. Because it honestly weighed like, what you he was he was five hundred pounds at, yeah. at his heaviest. Five fifty wasn't it his heaviest? No, I think he was five hundred, and then he dropped 
to like 250 and yeah. now he's like what like 197 200 he's like in mad shape now it's just unbelievable he's he's getting coached by do you know the, the guys who run rpd is it mike Isatel? Mike oh yeah, yeah yeah so he's he was doing his coaching for him and i think bio lane was doing some stuff for him as well and he's dropped a load of weight but his story is really fascinating as well because he was using loads of stuff like ecstasy speed whatever he could just because he was i think he looked at it is that the way he's going to try and drop weight as well mm. because he had this eating disorder and he couldn't stop eating so he was like right i'll just get smashed up my tits and just try and not eat which just paralleled into being worse off anyway and being in worse states and then obviously he was getting a big backlash from the media because he was a big superstar who was massively overweight but then i think he was getting turned down for a lot of roles due to how much it cost to ensure him as an actor because he was so wow. big and obese so his story is crazy that is mad and it, does he get more roles now you know how some people are like typecast into like who they like remember people got upset when adele lost weight yeah that was yeah. weird it's like that who's, so who's the other uh it's just singer who's like really on this body positivity movement and Lizzo. she said yes <laughs> yeah she said she's gonna she, go on a diet or she had a protein shake and people just loads hit the, hit of the hate because obviously she was quite a voice for body positivity wasn't she and then she's like actually i want to lose a bit of weight and she got so much hate for it i felt so sorry for her but she owned it pretty well, I yeah, thought. Yeah, she did she was really like, well. I want to do this. Like, I'm doing it? it for me. <laughs> it's not for you. Yeah. yeah. But he was he was basically saying that exact thing. So when he said you got like these pool of actors, the ones who were obviously going for those roles where it was a chubbier guy or a bigger guy for that purpose of the film, there was a lot less actors in that role. Now he's gone into this. He's, like, he's basically like a stacked dude now. So in that category, when they're looking for roles, it's so saturated. Mm. So it's more difficult for him to obviously pick stuff up. But he's obviously got a big wealth of experience of, of roles and stuff of what he's doing. But he's got quite a big podcast now as well. I can't remember what, I think it's called Glu- Glutton. Gluttonous something. Podcast. So it's quite cool. So it's quite cool to listen to because he's, he talks about his journey quite a lot with health and fitness. He's got quite a, cool, a couple of cool guests on there as well, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. It's good that you still get nervous though. I was thinking this the other day, like we did a webinar for EIQ and I was so nervous and I couldn't really understand why because it's just on Zoom it's like I literally do this every single day I was so so nervous for it but it was kind of nice like yeah I like think, re- I guess it reminds you that you really care yeah. about it or that yeah. you enjoy it well, I was it. saying this yesterday to you as well I can't well we all I suppose can't remember the last time we'd like a live speaking event it was probably IFS and the last time we did that I reckon I had four or five double fish bowls of gin just because i was so paranoid that he was like drunk before we were going on i was crawling onto the stage because i just needed to calm my nerves and then i had to sit on the stool didn't i because i was swearing. yeah the whole talk that we did ben was sat on this fucking chair and i was like oh my god like really paranoid that he's just like drunk next to me on stage to be fair though i think it actually helped you yeah probably did like i i don't mind talking on stage i quite like it but after IFS, I just graduated from uni and my degree was literally business, like stage talking. I was marked in it. So I think I'd, I'd done it quite recently, whereas you've done it about six years ago. Yeah, I so just spoke wasn't, for ages. wasn't as prepared. Yeah, I feel, I feel weird about tomorrow. And also, like, I, I enjoy it when I do it, but sometimes I don't know like who's going to turn up on yeah. stage, if that makes sense. Like Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm actually suddenly really nervous and I didn't expect it. <laughs> we were speaking to james about this on the last podcast about imposter syndrome 
but is it there's an element of I suppose you're worried about your own ability and your own skills, and then obviously what other people in the the audience are going to think. But then there's also that element of you just want to perform well. Mm. Do that you're nervous that you want to perform and, and leave everything that you can within the talk. So I yeah, or that you forget to say something that you really yeah, want to say because you let nerves take over a little bit. I think it's the first the first five seconds you feel like you're going to be sick or throw up and it's like and you can't get your words out and then after that I think it's always a bit it's all right isn't it you kind of you flow into it you get used to it yeah you'll be great tomorrow be I'll, I'll be there watching <laughs> I'll be weird for, it'll just be like doing, doing our insta lives like we've been doing for lockdown anyway when we do ours so. yeah. yeah 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 no I'm not nervous about like the the group ones so much mm. but you have obviously this year launched the other part of your business which is b2b isn't it yeah so that's the, the thing that we get asked a lot of questions about because i think a lot of new pts struggle with that sort of interaction with the camera when they first start as well is that something that you've got a lot of questions about from the the course that you've learned so far with yeah that i think you know people try and still use the excuse of oh i'm a bit nervous to do it and i'm like yeah so is everyone when they start like that's you can even let that stop you doing something there's no way that you're ever going to gain confidence unless you just do it mm-hmm. And so that's what it takes, really, is that, like, Emil always says, like, your first 50 podcasts will be shit. Yeah. yeah. But get them out and I get agree. them out quickly. And then they'll get better and better and better. And it's the same with anything, really, isn't it? Like, well, I, If I look it. back at some of my Facebook content for, like, three or four years ago, you just look like, you look like a different person. Yeah, yeah, and actually, I read something the other day, and it was like, if you're not embarrassed by what you were doing last year, you're not growing. And I was like, oh, I, I quite like is, that. I, I'm... The- I don't know if this is like similar for you, but if I put out a piece of content, podcast, YouTube, Insta, I cannot watch it back. Like I can't sit there and listen to my own podcast or listen to myself on YouTube. I just edit it and put it up. I'm like, there could be a mistake. I don't even I'm know. I'm exactly the same. I never, I don't, know why I don't even is. edit stuff. See, I'm I just do the podcast like, put, put it, it up. up. <laughs> Where it's like, Chloe's like, I just listened back to the podcast. It's so good. And I'm like, I can't listen back to no, my same. own podcast. I'm the opposite. Same. I'll just watch myself all day. Yeah, and I'm probably the only himself. person who watches my YouTube videos. If there's, if there's a couple hundred <laughs> views in the first hour, that's me who's watched yeah. it. You yeah. actually do. Like, we co- I come home. Uh, and- you're, you're probably coming home. I'm sitting there laughing. And she's like, what are you laughing at? Like, me? <laughs> so weird. But it'll be a good crack tomorrow. There's been no gin prior because we've got an early one tomorrow at 9.45 if you come into or you do go to the talk so this will be posted after we've been to the fitness expo it'll probably just be a regurgitation of whatever we're talking about tomorrow so it's yeah. a nice little practice run for us but we want to speak to, speak about today because obviously there's been quite a few touchy topics shall we say this week on Instagram in regards to especially the bodybuilding industry which is quite relevant because that's where we're pretty much going tomorrow to do some some chats so it'll be interesting to see other people's opinions and where where everyone's up to on it, but more so speaking about the other side about how people, how you don't have to fuck it up. So I think what we'll go through today is what we have learned. We've probably got, what, 30 years experience between us in the industry. And, oh, and Lucy, you're not old. I'm not, I know I've not had experience combined. Experience. To be fair though, I started sport at like, okay, at like yeah. 14, yeah. Yeah, so okay. I've got oh, 10 years. But you're, really. you're doing a talk on, I think it's an important topic. I know you said you don't yeah. know how I hit tomorrow, but about about maintenance. So. Yeah, the importance of maintenance, I guess. But then I realised it's a bodybuilding show, and I was like, no one really cares about that here. But okay. hopefully, hopefully it'll go down okay. We'll so, what, so what are you kind of kicking off with tomorrow? Just to get we'll get the ball rolling with that because I think it's an important topic, and maintenance is is something that not 
a lot of people speak about, I think especially in the fitness industry, because it's not really that sexy to say it's maintenance. People don't want maintenance. People always want to be better and improving. And I think people just see it as kind of, you just bumbling Stagnating. along. Stagnating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is the opposite of what, how I see it. Like the definition of a successful diet is weight maintenance. Mm-hmm. So come back in a year, are you still where you were when you finished your diet? Whereas most people see dieting success as I lost X amount in eight weeks. Really that most people have done that before. Most people have lost weight before. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you guys are the same. But like when people come to me, I'm like, I want this to be the last diet that yeah. you ever do. Mm. And I want you to be able to maintain these results. So essentially that's what tomorrow is about. And like the pitfalls that people fall into. Yeah. Like when they're dieting. Yeah, because that's something that we were speaking about today. With the bodybuilding industry. And you will obviously have seen it with clients that you work with. Everyone... Everyone's so, from an obvious perspective, and I think even suppose normal fitness folk, it's very seasonal with what they do, because generally people for the summer want to lose the man boobs, flabby bingo wings, the tummy for the holiday, and then we get to Christmas and no one's asked again. So people use that as those periods to to bulk and cut. And like we spoke before, it's pretty much just yo-yo dieting. Yeah, or just get yeah. sort of masked with this terminology that it's a cut or a bulk, which no but- one's ever really staying at. Just a I wait that. I I think from looking at you, you seem to stay at, at the same weight for the head, and obviously it's difficult to tell. But I would guess. Yeah, that. I mean, roughly the same weight. Yeah, but I think there's sometimes. Sometimes I think it comes from bodybuilding, and it's been like pushed into the mainstream when actually most people aren't bodybuilders. So maybe a bodybuilder does need to bulk and cut to an extent. That's kind of how their like season works, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas most of our clients don't need to bulk, yeah. don't need to cut, and actually something that I see happen quite a lot is you know women get to maybe roughly where they want to be at the end of a diet and then it's like okay I want to build some muscle so I'm going to increase my calories but then you massively increase their calories not all of that can go to building muscle because building muscle is painfully slow for a woman then they get uncomfortable and then they diet again and it just turns into a bit of a cycle of Mm. and it's essentially yo-yo dieting they call it bulking and cutting but it's not an enjoyable place to be and actually when you speak to somebody like what do you actually want it isn't that. Yeah. And like, yeah, I want to build a bit of muscle, but realistically you can do that at maintenance or you can do that like just above maintenance. And the, the numbers have been done on this, but it's something like 50 calories extra a day that could possibly go to building muscle. Probably even less for a woman because it's that much mm. slower. So yeah, I think people push their calories up too high and then they get uncomfortable and then they want to drop their calories too quickly and they've not built any muscle and they kind of get into that cycle. I mean, that comes that that bro culture as well of the hyper exaggerated calorie intake because people just love to push things out of the norm especially when i first started the gym the guy behind the the, the counter in the gym i went to probably bro gym where people just didn't even wipe their ass off the bin until it was that much of a shit but he would just be behind there with like cracked eggs, donut, ice cream in the blender, like a thousand calorie shake, which is just no need for. It was that proper bro culture. And obviously you are looking up to people when you're that young age, like 16, and you you kind of think to yourself, wow, this is the pinnacle of what I need to do to, to build muscle. And, and that all transpires and integrates into this brain, which is just like a sponge at this point, taking, it, taking everything in. So I think that comes from that. And then when people cut, I think they're surprised about how much they've actually got to drop the calories down because of this hyper-exaggerated period they've been in, in a, a caloric surplus. And I think people's head goes with that. And and even more so that the appetite is just through the roof because they spent that long on that 
such high calorie intake. I've not seen many people. There's a guy actually who, the PT in Pure Gym, dude, long hair, looks a bit like Johnny Bravo. He's he literally loses weight unless he's sitting five thousand calories a day. I don't understand. He's crazy. How the fuck can eat that? Yeah, it's crazy. But I just don't think it's 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 needed to to an extent. It's more just a an ego thing for for a lot of guys, and then some females get sucked into it as well. Yeah, there there has been quite a lot of. It must have been someone. Wait, who was it? I can't remember, but someone being like, "This is I'm I'm eating three thousand five hundred calories or something and looking in great shape," and that like promotion of women being able to eat that much and like obviously you can, but I got asked a lot of questions about this and it's like, how? Well, how? Well, she expends that many calories. Like that's how simple it is. Like it's your your energy expenditure. So if you're eating three thousand five hundred calories and you're maintaining your weight, that's how many calories you expend. But for most of us, we don't expend that much calories. And I think, yeah, people can get a bit confused with that, like seeing a fitness model saying that they eat this many calories. Oh, if I just do what she does, but then doesn't realize that she spends X amount of time at the gym or walks everywhere or is just lying about how many calories that she's eating or thinks she's at maintenance, but is actually putting on weight. And she took a picture three days into eating 3,500 calories. Shock. She doesn't look any different because it's been three days. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing. I had a question on Question Box yesterday of how do I increase my maintenance calories? I saw that actually. Yeah, yeah. it's just fucking so obvious. I think people are looking for this answer of, well, you need to reverse diet and bring it up by 50 calories per week. So then this is going to raise yeah, the thermic effect of food or something yeah. weird and wonderful. So then they can not do anything, but just increase the calories. And I mean, that's the thing that I've been enjoying anyway about running. <laughs> just fucking eat more food. It's been... It's been nice because when I used to run, especially when I was in that, that period with the eating disorder, the only reason I used to run was just to try and expend calories. Whereas now it's almost roll reverse. I'm just running to enjoy it. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, I need to get some more food in because I've been so active. You've been the same really, haven't you, as well? Yeah, like I've been running a lot, like doing a lot of running. And the amount of questions I've had like really intensely started to piss me off in terms of, like how many, I was getting like probably about 50 questions a day, DMs a day being like, why are you running? You look smaller. Are you losing muscle? Why can like, why are you running so much, Lucy? I'm just like, okay, I'll do a YouTube video on it. And people can't wrap their head around. So I'm doing probably like 30 to 35K-ish a week from doing like nothing to that. And they can't wrap their head around why I'm not losing muscle. I'm like, because I'm eating about 600 calories, 700 calories more a day, so I'm expending more, but I'm also now eating more. And it's just one of those things where it's quite hard because it's I, I'm not seeing my running as doing cardio. I'm seeing it as performance-based, doing 10Ks, mm-hmm. doing half marathons. Whereas I think everyone who looks at my page, they're like, oh my God, she's now doing like five cardio sessions a week. And I'm like, I'm not. If I was just doing cardio, I would not be eating my extra yeah, yeah, if you're back. using it to burn off. Yeah, yeah, I'm not eating it to like burn off the calories or anything like that. But I think like with women in fitness, they have this perception of being terrified of maintenance calories and being scared of increasing their calories because of how much the media is pushed. I don't I don't know if, if it's pushed diet culture, if that's what it is, but that whole essence of they've been in low calories for such a long time that they're so scared to increase the maintenance that they're going to put on body fat. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like I'll get the question of like, how much, 
how much do you think I'll put on if I move to maintenance? And I'm like, well, nothing. <laughs> nothing. <Yeah>. That would <laughs> be your maintenance nothing. needs. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. But I mean, you will put on weight potentially with fluctuations, Initially, but that's totally for normal. Sure, yeah. yeah. And then it always balances it out because I've had so many clients who've come to me from like, they've been on 1,200, 1,300. And straight away, I'm like, okay, we need to pop you right on 1,700. Like your, your calories are so low. This is why you're so tired and you're not getting results. And the thought process of increasing bike by five and they're going up to still in a deficit like they're literally still in deficit calories and it's trying to just make people understand it's actually okay just to start increasing your calories a little bit and go through that phase of be a bit thicker build a little bit more muscle have something that's actually sustainable so you can enjoy Mm -hmm. your life like everyone we've all been there Mm -hmm. on horribly low calories where you just feel so like so down and so wrapped up in it lowest i ever went to was like 17 i think that was well low for me which is obviously a huge deficit for you i think the thing is though people don't realize to get that real peak condition how low you have to go and the danger of being around that's where i started to develop the eating disorder was when i was just i think it's that dangerous combination of sort of tracking everything everything being really precise and then the role of social media being there to compare yourself to the hyper elite, which has never been there in the past. So this is, this is kind of like one of the, the next things that I want to talk about was the sort of implementation of data and how that has helped and hindered what we do. So I was having this chat with Lucy yesterday. I think when I started going to the gym like 10 years ago, I used to yeah. go to the gym with like a piece of paper, work written on it. I'd go in, bang the gym for an hour and then... I'd come home and just eat. But now I go to the gym, I set my Apple Watch first, track on how much I've expended. Then I'll get home, look at my fitness pal, see what I'm putting in there. And that's something that's completely changed. And then I'll probably go on Instagram. So those three things, uh, for some people, depend on where their mindset is. And it's very easy to fall down that rabbit hole anyway and not even realise it is just a recipe for disaster for some people who, especially if they lean towards disorder and not even really know about it or even just like an obsessive type person yeah exactly you, you yeah. need to sort of catch yourself out on like if you know that you're a bit of a perfectionist getting obsessed with my fitness pal is not going to be a good thing for yeah, you yeah. i find what's really useful for that and with like apple watches and stuff like i'm sure it's not news to you that they're not accurate yeah yeah but equally with like my fitness pal so inaccurate and mm. and how accurate actually tracking calories is is ridiculous like not even dietitians can track calories accurately there's a study with that wasn't there when they did yeah i think, I think they were the, the dietitians tracked like about 290 calories off and were they 10 percent oh and like i think the general public were like 20 percent out yeah the, i think the non-dietitian group was like 500 odd calories out yeah is that and then, in like they just don't know how to weigh their food or they're just no what's what's so interesting about this is even when they pay people to track as accurately as possible they're still not accurate so there was a study and it was like, I'll give you $50 if you can track your food accurately. Still can't track it accurately. And so even when you know, it's not like there's an element of people maybe lying about what they eat mm. or even just, I guess, kind of white lies. But, oh, I know that Lucy really wants me to stick to my calories. So I'm going to say that I did, like trying to impress yeah, you a little bit. Yeah, there's yeah. an element of that. But then there's a really real element of it's just really hard to do. Like, mm. and actually food labels aren't right. They can be 20% wrong. Yeah, I've and seen that. And like caloric availability of food is 
that you're not actually going to ingest all of the calories that you intake depending mm -hmm. on what you're eating there's just like multiple layers of inaccuracy and when you actually explain that to someone i think that really helps with getting stressed out that they're 10 calories over their calorie allowance that day or they've not hit x grams of something yeah or... they're probably 200 over <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like they know then i guess sometimes there's the kickback of like well then what's the point tracking and actually the benefits of tracking aren't really about the numbers. They're more about being aware of what you're putting in your body, account being accountable to that, having some data to go from so that, you know, oh, if I'm always tracking at least 1800 calories and I'm not losing weight, I'm going to have to start tracking 1600 calories. Mm -hmm. Whether it is actually 1600 calories or not, almost irrelevant. It's just the consistency. Yeah. And like, I think as well, like the thought process between, I think I'm going to eat that and... I'm going to get my phone out and put it in my, like there's that gap. Yeah. And actually all of those things you can get without tracking. Like I didn't track any food, but I've obviously, I obviously know roughly, mm -hmm. I mean, we can talk about intuitive eating and the claim Did that- Did you used to track? Have you- have I've never you? tracked for like prolonged periods of time, but yeah, I've done like weeks here and yeah, there. Yeah. And more just so you know what a portion size is. Mm. But for me, it was like, it never, it kind of took the love away for me because I like eating well anyway. Mm -hmm. And it was the same when I did like a little bit of fitness modeling. As soon as I had a shoot booked in, I didn't want to stick to my diet where actually I would stay in shape all year. But then as soon as I had to do something, I was like, oh, I don't want to do it. That's and it was the yeah. same with calorie tracking. If I was like, have to stick to 1600 calories or whatever it was, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Whereas if I just ate normally, I'd probably eat that much anyway. It comes into like the realms of, of how deep does a rabbit hole go with that kind of stuff because people get so, like we did at the completely off topic, we had the question last week to do plastic surgeon, would we ever get it done? And sort of the rabbit hole that opens up to just get more and more stuff done, do more and more stuff. People- Would you? Would they get plastic surgery? Well, I, I already kind of have because I had a hair transplant, didn't I? So- Yeah, I guess. Yes, but my answer was, I, don't, I honestly don't know. At this current time, I wouldn't get anything done. But then I can't say what my mindset would be in 10 year time once I start to age a little bit more. But I'd imagine as I get older, I'll probably just give less of a shit about what I look like. So I probably <laughs> won't really care. You look like, oh, I feel like a silver. Silver, silver fox. fox. Silver fox. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, if anything like, like my dad, I'll go bald. I've obviously had the hair transplant at the front. So I'll just end up looking like a little Ronaldo. So I'll have a bald patch here. So with there, the hair transplant, goodness. will that never go bald? So basically when... With male hair, take it from the back because the, uh, the, the testosterone in those follicles at the back is different to the ones that are on top of the head. So that's why, do you know when you get that egg in a nest look that some guys have? That's why that hair all stays because the testosterone is different. I've never heard it called egg in a nest. I was like, I'm going to be really serious here. You must have that teacher in school where I was like, egg in a nest, bald guy. That I've never seen it, but I've never heard it called egg in a nest. You can say that one with you, but... That bit will never go, but for example, that that could go, and I'd be left with this bit at the front. Uh, but then you'd well. have to go back and get like you could get a little toupee done, a little toupee, yeah. But yeah, let's not encourage that. Yeah, <laughs> the the thing with that, I'd just go back and get it done, probably, or I just have to keep shaving it all off. It'd just be a pain in the ass. But it's it's actually quite cheap. I got mine done tech like two point two grand. And in, in the UK, it's it's 10 grand. About 10 to 15 in London. Yeah. Wow, you could go on holiday in Turkey as well. Well, yeah. we we went on holiday to Turkey. That's exactly what we did. I got the got it done for like 2.2K. Did a video on it. And the guy was messaging me saying, we'll pay you to do another video. So then they'll pay me four grand. So 
was two grand up and a hair transplant better. Well, you also got about 60 people booked in with him. I reckon didn't more you? than that. I reckon about 100 people about booked. About 100 people because I think. Wow. No guys were talking about it at the no time. No guys were talking about it. Whereas, like, I think with women, they're very open about like filler and aesthetics and boob jobs. Whereas, I'd never seen a guy speak about a hair transplant as much as you did. Like, I'd, I hadn't. Well, when Ben first said he's getting a hair transplant, I was like, what is that? I was like, I don't even know what that is. Whereas, I think for women, like, I personally wouldn't get anything like i don't have any filler or i'd look weird i think with big boobs do you know what i mean yeah, it's just not I really me want... um because it's always asses on instagram that like someone said to me the other day she's like um you've got a lovely smile but your lips are too thin i was like a bit of a backward compliment when we go there <laughs> but i just don't i that's just not my vibe and like as ben said also I when, sorry i find those comforts so or like just comments passive, like... aggressive comments like I, i've always get the ones oh you're so confident with small boobs I'm like, uh, compliment? What was that? Like, stop that behaviour. But no, we had this conversation in the podcast, like, I'm just not that bothered. No. I'm just not that bothered. Doesn't I, really yeah, interest me. Yeah, I don't think me. I would. But then I see, like, Amelia got her nose done. And she was like, it's the best thing I've ever done. Like, if you get huge yeah. joy from it. And I've got loads of clients that have had, like, excess skin taken off. And they're like, I, like, best it's actually... ever made. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's great for some people, especially if that's maybe someone that's literally stopping them from taking the next yeah, step their in their lives. Or, their confidence. I mean, obviously they could probably yeah work on their self-esteem and eventually build up to whatever. But if that's what helps them and what makes them feel happier, then all the more for it. But 100%. I think people can just get caught in that spiral of I'm getting this done. It's okay. What do I need to do next? It's that perfectionist thing. And where does that sort of treadmill ever really end? And that's why people end up looking like circus freaks for stuff because they get so much shit done. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think, like, I guess a similar thing happens with weight loss, doesn't it? Body dysmorphia stuff, yeah. Yeah. Or you're like, oh, weight loss has always been the goal. So then you just lose more and more and more. And it's like, where was the point? There was we like stopped. a sweet spot there that you missed <laughs> and you've yeah. gone too far. <laughs> just kept going. I get that with some clients, though. So we'll start and they've got this idealistic weight that they want to be, which is sometimes not always a good idea because change may happen you may put tissue on we don't we don't know where the weight's going to end up and then we'll get to a point where okay i've lost 10 pounds right where you want to be and then we have the discussion of potentially bringing the calories back up and like now i just want to keep going and that goal originally then becomes more sort of distorted and then we continue going continue going and then they're the realms where the shit really hit the fan the potential sort of run into those disorderly eating habits and stuff like that to further down. And the more of your life you've got to sacrifice to get there and the more effort you've got to put in for a little return as well. I think that's what people don't don't realise. It's, it's about really trying to find that sweet spot with, with where you're at for that so that you can be happy. And I think once people sometimes fall into that realm though of, especially with body dysmorphia, we did a podcast the other week on uh, negativity bias, didn't we, as well? And people will just constantly look for little things all the time. And that's why sometimes I think obviously with those discussions that have been within the realms of fitness this week, sometimes with bodybuilding, it's good to have those other goals or other metrics to measure such as performance and stuff like that because it's just good. I think especially since I've been doing more running, just that I get more joy now out of going, okay, what was the time we hit today? Over, over going the gym. I mean, I still... There's joy and then there's me, like the competitive absolute queen still always, here. Yeah, I still always enjoy going and getting a pump on. That's like by the by, but it's nice to have that other element combined with that to something to look at rather yeah. than just, okay, I look decent naked in the mirror today. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I'm uh, like roughly around me since I don't really know what I weigh, not because I'm scared of the scales, but yeah. it, just, it doesn't really mean anything to me. But my marker is if I can do 10 pull-ups, I've not put on too much weight. Yeah. yeah. Like I love that. you can't like yeah. be able to do loads of pull-ups and not. So I think having something like that, especially if you're sticking around maintenance and not obsessing over the scale weight and not worrying if it fluctuates. Like I don't know. I think so many people like let the scales impact their mood. And actually something that's quite useful is assessing what your mood is before you weigh yourself. Uh, so you can't then yeah. be like, like, you're like, oh, I feel good. You know, how's my performance been? How was my nutrition yesterday? How's my food? How's my sleep been? How am I feeling this morning? Note that and then weigh yourself. And then you can't, then it's kind of obvious if that's impacting your yeah. mood or not. Um, but yeah, I think it is, it's an important like consideration not getting to fixated on scale weight and having something else as well but I think that there is a link between happiness and scale weight I, I did like a big thing about this and Enlighten us. it came up on the EC method and someone just saying I, when I weighed I can't remember what it was let's say when I weighed 60 kilograms on my wedding day I was really happy now obviously it's your wedding day like hopefully you would be happy yeah. but other people you know it'd be oh when I was at uni I weighed 60 kilograms and I was so happy then it's like yeah you had no life stress whatsoever like you just had to rock up at uni it's it's everything else that's going on so our sort of claim was like it wasn't the weight it was everything else mm. so but the I social element of life at that at that point in time yeah or just like how you were living yeah. and actually maybe you enjoyed other things more and i mean you would hope that you were happy on your wedding day etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah yeah but i do think there is an element of happiness being related to the scale weight but it's almost, well, it's like reverse correlation. So it's not that you're happy because you weigh 60 kilograms. It's more you weigh 60 kilograms because you're happy. Mm-hmm. And when you're happy, it's much more likely that you eat well, that you're not binge eating, that you're not numbing your emotion with food, that mm-hmm. you're not, that you're outside doing more exercise, that you're prioritizing yourself, that you invest in coaching, you invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's the link. And I think people miss it and they're like, oh, if I can just like, diet myself back down again because I don't feel good and when I'm 60 kilograms again I'll feel better mm-hmm. and inevitably they're not or they don't feel that way but I think there is that potential reverse correlation that when you feel good it's much easier to do these things and it's much harder when you don't yeah feel good about yourself and kind of what you were talking about about being so negative towards yourself and like picking out your flaws and things that just makes the whole process much harder I think there's sometimes a right time to be taking that many metrics and really delving into tracking calories, taking weight, taking images and that sort of thing. And depending on where you're up to with that mindset, but sometimes it's really, really difficult to pull away from that. So when I came out of that period of was in the headspace of, right, I know I've got an eating disorder now. I knew I couldn't track, knew there's no point in weighing myself, knew there's no point in taking any data because at that point in time, I just needed to concentrate on getting my relationship back with exercise and, and food again. And then it wasn't until a year after just focusing on that, that's when I started the, the coaching with Cal. And Cal's very rigorous with like the data points that we take. So the weekly check-ins that we do, we take a lot of metrics, um, even like blood pressure, sleep, those kind of things. So I was going from doing nothing to, to doing loads and loads of metrics, but my headspace was completely different going into that space. And I knew I was ready to do it. And through this last six or seven months now, it's been very easy for me to sort sort of almost detach myself from that and just do the check and done rather than worry about, even if weight's gone up, I, I don't worry about it. 
it's just a metric that'll punch in and do. Well, you weigh yourself daily. Yeah. So Ben's weighed himself daily because obviously you take an average from the week, which is more accurate. Or we'll take the lowest for the week. What did I just say? An average. Sometimes, oh, yeah. sometimes weird because if you we talked about this, didn't we? With I could have a really high spike and then a low, but then the average for the week would be shit because I've had such a mm. high spike yeah, at so some you point. Take the average from yeah, like I'm the type of person I have been the same weight for the I don't change weight at all. Like 140, 142 pounds won't go up, won't go down, and I don't enjoy weighing myself. Like I actually don't. Like it's not. I don't, I'm not very good with metrics in general. I don't really do pictures. I don't do measurements. Because when people are like, oh, what do you weigh? What are your measurements? I'm like, I actually don't know. And it's not because I'm not bothered. Like, I'm not bothered. But I'm so based on like performance and just how I feel. Yeah. Like solely for me. I think because I came from a sporting background where I was weighed every single day, twice a day, body fats, eating disorders. I was just like, I'm done with that part of my life. I'm only 24. But... I'm so done with that part of my life. I don't need to do it now because I did it with you for a bit and I was weighing myself yeah. daily. And I was like, this doesn't actually do anything for me. It actually probably makes me feel worse for no particular reason. Mm. I just don't need to know what I weigh. You were just doing it because I was doing it though. Yeah, I was copying. Yeah, but I guess like it depends on your why, right? Yeah. And depending on what you're mm. doing and what your outcome should be at the time, sometimes weighing yourself is completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you taking measurements that aren't related to your outcome yeah. goal? And I think a lot of the time people do put too much pressure on that scale weight when really, I don't know, actually, this is a really good analogy, which I stole from one of my clients, but she was talking about how she took her puppy to puppy training classes. Is this a true? This true. is a true, true. This is a true story. <laughs> so she was taking her puppy to puppy training classes. And obviously the goal of going to puppy training classes is to have a well-trained puppy. Mm-hmm. So she got to the end of whatever it was, this eight-week block. And on the last day, they do a little test and like they get a certificate at the end if they pass this test. But she already knows that the dog's behaving really well. Like she's got everything she wanted to from this eight-week puppy training. But the dog doesn't pass the test, right? So she doesn't get the little certificate. Now, some people get really upset about that. But actually, your why was you wanted a well-trained dog. You have a well-trained dog. And it's kind of similar with the scale weight. It's like, what did you come here for? I wanted to be happy, healthy, fit. I wanted to be able to play with my kids. I wanted to be able to fit into this dress. Okay, why are you upset? Oh, because I I said that I was going to lose 10 pounds and actually I've only lost eight. But you've actually reached your goal. Like that was, I think everyone just needs to understand that at any time any of us coaches are taking your weight, it's because we're looking at trends over time to Mm -hmm. see if you're in a deficit or not. We don't care about fluctuations. Don't really care whether it, where it ends up it's just showing you what your energy balance is doing over time and then to get so fixated on that and actually it it like ruined the joy that you actually achieved everything you wanted to achieve but you're letting like this arbitrary number that you had in your head mean that like it was a failure or you're going to keep dieting even though you've probably hit that sweet spot and the magic scale weight number that because 10 pounds sounds better than eight do you know what's crazy though as well from analogy. from a, a male perspective, especially <laughs> like with those weight metrics when I have quite a few clients who are female now, how little some females know about their own menstrual cycle and the way they weigh in and they don't understand why those fluctuations are there. And obviously as a guy, that's quite interesting because it's not something that I ever dealt with before coming a coach. And it's interesting to see how many females don't really understand it and what 
the sort of causes of why certain fluctuations happen or why they they, they feel a certain way still as well. Yeah, it it is mad that like I get, but you don't really get taught that at school, right? Well, it's like I, use a tampon. Yeah, use a tampon. Throw put a pad here. in. Oh, this so is so sad. funny. Sorry, Lucy said to me the other day. We were going upstairs, obviously, to watch Love Island, and she said, "Can you? What do you say? Can you bring the ladies' fingers up?" Ladies' <laughs> no. fingers. What are you talking <laughs> that, about? That is not a tampon, what? by the way. But I thought she was talking about tampons. Apparently, ladies' fingers are these type of biscuits you know, that I've biscuits never seen that like ever. This shape, like you put them in like trifle. What would you think though, ladies' fingers? I was like, <laughs> I said, she's gonna put a tampon like, in when we're watching the world. My sister, I was like, can you bring the ladies' fingers up? And Ben was like, don't, don't bring the tampon. What are you doing? I was like, it's literally a freaking biscuit. Like, but with the menstrual cycle thing, like four years ago when I started like coaching and stuff, I, I didn't know any. I didn't even look into my own cycle let alone my clients just wasn't really on my radar like thinking about it I think in like the past like two or three years it's definitely more common for women to talk about and obviously to guys and coaches because it's actually so important you realize why you're so tired that you're going to be more injured that you're more fatigued that you're craving things that you have cramps that you generally just feel so shit and I think it's so good where You've got like male coaches like you. I know you talk about it. James talks about it quite a lot. And I think there was, for a period of time, people were quite embarrassed to talk about it. You know, the taboo on your period. Mm. Yeah, it's probably too much information, but it's yeah. like, no, it's not. We it's all, not. Like, we and I all think do that. it is so important because, you. I mean, you're putting, putting on six, seven pounds fluctuations and trying to get that through to a client and say, Oh, is it? Is it your time in the month? Yeah, I came on two days ago. Oh, fine, no probs. That's yeah, absolutely yeah. normal then. But they, I think some of them, it's quite hard to understand why that has happened. I'm like, you are a woman, that is your body. Yeah, like, unfortunately that happens. But I actually think that one of the key, like defining features of people that get results and don't get results, especially when you're working with women for fat loss is how they respond to a fluctuation on the scales. Mm. So you can either respond by thinking, screw it, it never works for me. Like this happens every time. And actually what, like if you give up every time the scales go up, which Mm -hmm. for women is going to be like once a month, probably you're never going to stay on a diet long enough to actually see any fat loss. So it Mm. probably is working, but it's all being masked on the scales by weight fluctuations. And I think that like your ability to understand why that's happening or accept that that's happening and just work through it mm-hmm. is the difference between someone that gets results and someone that doesn't. Cause the other thing that happens when the scales don't drop or potentially fat loss is being masked on the scales is you're like, right, this isn't working. I'll just drop my calories. Mm-hmm. And then inevitably you can't stick to 1200 calories. So then you end up overeating and then you're not in a deficit over time. And it, it like, it tends to be either of those responses. I'm giving up because the scales aren't going down or I'm going to massively over restrict and, and both of them end in poor outcomes. Yeah, 100%. I think one of the things that ties in with that as well, and what I end up doing with both members and clients quite early on is, and you can see it from people's mindset and what their approach is and the way they fill in questionnaires or the way their questions come in, is especially because the type of people I think that we all, all coach, none of them are really like elite athletes or competitors, is teaching people to almost live or at least with their approach be more suboptimal than optimal 
because everyone comes in that approach that I need to do this, I need to do this, certain time, I need to get this much sleep, I need to do this, I need to do what he's doing. And everyone's looking at what the hyper elite are doing and focusing on maybe 2% of what the hyper elite are doing and equating it for all their success. So I think a big part of it is almost depicting those those habits that they've picked up and 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 bring that suboptimal part of the process into the lifestyle imperfect action exactly so they can get more of a balance with with stuff as well yeah they do just pick people pick up these habits i think and um, i think we had this conversation before in regards to responsibility for content and the way that stuff's pushed out obviously as creators we have a certain responsibility but there's also a responsibility for the audience to in the way that they interpret that as well because you can pick up some really bad habits from some it's calling bell ends on the internet who just push out shit all the time and will just like spews reviews and it's it's easy to get caught up in that it i think the easiest place now especially i don't know if you spend that much time on tiktok fuck me it's like a minefield i had a conversation with bob yesterday his sister has literally developed an eating disorder because of some of the girls she follows on tiktok it is like a black rabbit hole which is so what so are they giving out like nutrition advice or... yeah but it's it's things for breakfast it's like, like fucking Cheerios of ice or shit like that. It's like TikTok's just, very fast paced, isn't it? So they're filming these videos and it's like... Nothing about the audience at like all. 50 calorie snacks, 100 calorie snacks, mm. low cal, da, 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 da. So these young girls, because it's a super young, they're literally 12. Like you can get on that platform like from the age of 12. So they're watching these, scrolling through these fast paced videos. And obviously what TikTok does is the algorithm the more you watch that type of content, the more it's going to come up on your yeah. feed. So it actually doesn't surprise me that people are developing eating disorders from these videos. And I mean, the girls are young on it anyway and they have millions of followers and they're, they're pretty petite. So they're so involved and engrossed in this content. So I just had a question real quick, just right. before we moved on. You know, the whole bodybuilding thing, would you or have you ever coached someone in prep or like on to be on stage uh i've coached one guy really yeah when was that maybe like four four or five years ago would you do it again no only like nothing bad happened with him like he was great um he did fairly well but or like i don't think it's right for me to do it for numerous reasons like one i don't i'm not particularly interested in it would be the primary thing yeah. like and there are better people for that like even just stuff like what what com- the, what competition should i do and like i'm not gonna go i don't know what any competition i don't even know what category they'd <laughs> yeah, be yeah exactly in. like well, i don't know i don't know bikini? what bikini <laughs> i can't do walk like walking in heels no yeah. like none of that i can do so i just refer out um but i also think there's so many negatives that can come with it that like from a like it's not my message yeah and it would just be like incongruent with everything else i do so I think that's obviously something that has been very relevant this week. And I think if people were more educated before they went into it, the potential risks and and the amount of effort that goes into it, then there potentially less people doing it. But I think at the same time, everyone potentially needs to, who wants to go for that experience. I did one show, I was like, fuck me, this is not for me. I remember halfway through doing my prep, I was sitting in the back of my mate's car in Liverpool because at the club of all lads, it must have been three a.m. in the morning, and I was scooping fucking Sorry. fish out of a tupperware in my hands. I was like, "This, this has got too far." What? And it's like, what point do I call her? I'm sitting in the back of my mate's car at three a.m. 
they're all snorting bags of coke in somewhere on the vodka Red Bulls and I'm sitting in the back sober. chicken breast. No, it wasn't even chicken breast. It was fish and it had been in the car for six hours. And it's like, yeah, that bodybuilder lifestyle, bro. All, all or nothing. Yeah, balls yeah. to the wall. It's like, fuck that. How sad, is that. How sad is that? That's why after the year, I was like, fucking, this is not me. I just can't do it. And I just give up too much of life. Even when inside that 14 week period, I'd give up too much in that. And it also damaged a lot of relationships. I think that's the other thing that people don't realise. Were you guys it, together? No, no. 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 She said if I ever did it, but that'd be a I game over. I honestly, as Ben, if you compete now, I just, I'd, I I personally would not want you to compete. Yeah. Wouldn't end it, but I yeah, generally but would equally, not want you to like compete. If you were telling your partner this would really, like, this would impact. It would affect the business. Yeah, it would affect your mood. It'd be me saying to you, okay, for the next 14 weeks, we're not going to go off anything to eat. We're not going to go for a drink. I'm probably going to be shit at sex. Where I'm going to train like this in the gym. I'll probably train twice a day. I'm going to be moody as anything. What would you say to that person? Would you get in a relationship with a person like that? Fucking no, you wouldn't. It's it's a selfish pursuit. And I think that even taking aside the amount that you give up for that, because, I mean, you'll know the same as with swimming, right? Mm. Or the same as with any elite sport. sport, You have to give up a hell of a lot if you want to do it to the best of your ability. But even if you take that aside, like I think one of the problems with bodybuilding is you will have body image issues. Like you're literally asking people to judge you solely on your physique. Like that's that's just like a recipe for yeah. disaster. Literally, with- and you're guessing to your what what they. I don't think it's pinnacle fitness. What they think is their aesthetic complete goal. So when you pluck them off the stage and they go back into normal life, they're then comparing everything. To, to those images they had taken on stage. Like I'm asked constantly, like, would you ever step on stage? You could step on stage and win. Absolutely fucking not. I just, like four years ago, yeah, maybe. Like, mm, could have could have dabbled in it, you know, stepped on stage in some heels. Whereas like, I, I now, I'm too health and performance driven to coach a client to do that. I just, from a woman's perspective, hormonally, I just even if you can have the best coach in the whole entire world, which a lot of girls do and they do super well and they're amazing. But I just don't think it's healthy. I just can't see the health side. I just can't see the health side of it. Like that extreme is not healthy. And most women won't be able to get that lean without losing their cycle. Yeah. And a lot of the women who are stepping on stage for Arvalita are also on steroids, which is something that I, again, don't agree with. I would, to a certain extent, argue that is sometimes potentially more unhealthy to do it with without performance enhancing drugs than it is to, to do it without them. Because it's just crap. <laughs> what? Like, honestly, if, because for, especially for guys, like if you do it natural, and I did it naturally when I did my show, your testosterone level is just a shit. Your recovery is shit. The amount of cardio and weight training that you need to do to to get to that condition is is horrendous on your body and how tired I was. And then you you can get guys who are obviously running a lot of gear, jump on stage because they were massive next to me. But then you've also got some guys who kind of play the middle field and just bring testosterone levels up to a, a limit where maybe they're not super physiological, but they're up into that. Is that, that still like a steroid? As it, in it's a range of where putting. the testosterone levels would be. I'm so... I yeah, just like you would still be no taking... So uh, you've got me probably who's I did my show natural, testosterone levels through the floor, recovery shit, sleep shit, everything shit. Then you've got a guy who's, who's potentially taking gear, but not up to ridiculous levels, whose test levels are good. He's getting better sleep. 
he's way, he's recovering way better. He's performing way better. Overall, if you looked at his biological health markers during that time, he was probably healthier than me running gear. And I think that's the thing that sometimes when we're looking at individuals, I think, again, it's, it's due to social media and, and stuff like that. And I'm not advocating people taking steroids by any means, by the way. People start watching, Ben's fucking advocating to people <laughs> running anabars. I'm not. But if you are going into those extreme levels of sport, you've got to be aware of the effects that are going on inside your body as well. And potentially like what could go on and that's why it's so difficult because then it's a minefield that people don't want to talk about those elements of it and people are running the risk of going down people or people then run the risk of going to the guy who's behind the desk in the gym and buying some dodgy knockoff stuff and then that's another realm as well because like we talk about plastic surgery people just go more gear more gear more gear but and... then is that just putting a plaster on something being yeah, like exactly. i mean really the point is being that lean isn't healthy yeah. full stop whether you're, whether you're like, but it would be slightly less unhealthy if you were able to take some steroids while yeah. you're doing it. Like it's almost like, a, or just don't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm the just don't. Yeah. Like, but also it kind of bugs me that people think that's the pinnacle of fitness. I'm like, I just don't think it is. I just. No, no, absolutely I not. just don't. And I, I understand why people do because they want to chat. I love it when people challenge themselves. I'm all for a challenge in a slightly different way. I think it's great that people want to put themselves through that and maybe they're just testing themselves for 14 weeks. They step on stage. That's the only reason they did it, just to test themselves and to create a challenge. But if people are thinking that that is the pinnacle of fitness, and I know a lot of people say it, they may look the best they've ever looked, but they're the worst, the absolute worst they've ever felt. And people are fainting and it's it's hard, isn't it? Who had that debate if... Um, bodybuilding classes as a sport or not Tom I think Tom we were always talking about it today and then Darren and James spoke about it yesterday do you think it's and, a sport I say so loads of people have asked me subject- this obviously because it's been asked like I think it's subjective yeah I don't know well, I don't what's know. the definition of a sport so an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment Okay, and I've Googled, is bodybuilding a sport? They go through the same struggles as many athletes and is an internationally recognized sport with many governing bodies at different levels all over the world. Bodybuilding is a sport that offers a wide variety of divisions according to gender, height, weight, class, and usage of performance-enhancing drugs. Well, there you go. <laughs> Google's there saying it. There you go. See, what I see as sport is if it's measurable, so I think bodybuilding, you're basing off people's physiques. Whereas like 100 meter sprint, who is the fastest? Yeah, but then what about like other subjects of sports, like diving? Or gymnastics and shit like that. Yeah. That's so true. But then there is more like criteria in that, like you're doing X dive, which has X points for skill and X points yeah, for yeah, yeah. like I, whatever I, it is. I think mm. with, I know they're subjective because the judge can be different on a day. But would you argue that the credentials that they're marking off are always still pretty in unison, whereas yeah, probably, it can be so difficult. Right? Like some shows, it was, I didn't come in dry enough, I was too big, it was too hard, based on the judges on that day. So, I, I mean, I suppose the question would be, is bodybuilding even more subjective than the other sports, depending on the, the type of person you get on the day? And is there biases and exactly. Isn't it who? supposed to be a little bit political as well? But then I think most sports are to an extent. Like, I mean, 100 metres, you can't really be political. 
Right, question about the Olympics. Do you, are you envious that you're not there? I've been asked this loads, you know. I don't know. Well, see, I, I would have, if I did ever go to the Olympics, it wouldn't have ever been Tokyo, it would have been Rio. Yeah, okay. Because you'd be like old for a swimmer now, right? I, yeah. They're <laughs> literally mad. like some of the fastest who are meddling are like, <clears throat> excuse me. How old is like Peter? 18- He's quite old, isn't he? <clears throat> I don't know. I think he looks like Wayne Rooney. I think he looks old, you know. Do you know just a- not aged as well? He's like that guy. I don't know if it's a Corey in the pool or whether he's just had the rough upbringing. He just looks old. I mean, he's, just, he's amazing. <laughs> no, athlete. I think he's like 27. 27, yeah. 28. Um, no, I'm kind of... I always wanted to go to the Olympics. You know, you don't get into that. You yeah. don't swim as much as I did to not, like, compete to that level because... When you go into like a sport from a young age and you do so well and you get really good, like I literally quit because I came sixth instead of fourth. When I was 18, I was just like, I physically can't put anything else in. Because like it gets to the stage where you've got to be top three to win, to do well, to be paid like really well to do the sport. You've got to be top three. Like one of my friends medaled and I was just... I was so happy for her, like watching her medals. Like, oh my God, like childhood friend. So I think, yeah, I'm a bit. But it's the cost benefit, right? And oh, for I, sure. So this is a point for that sure. I think is quite interesting and I, I would like to get your opinion on it. But I think everyone who makes the Olympics, like in that swimming final, has sacrificed just as much mm. to get there. Like mm. everyone's trained just as hard. Mm-hmm but yet one person will win and be Olympic champion. And everyone else has sacrificed as much in their life, as much of their time, effort, whatever. Like you probably sacrificed just as much as the girl who came forth. Yeah. You know, and and then it's like, well, it just seems so unfair that that happens. Like, obviously that's just sport, isn't it? But it's, yeah, there's no difference, I don't think, between how hard someone's trained to come first and is literally like a hero. Well, do you know what it is as well? You could get... Like with swimming, I was, everything I did was to the fucking point. I was like the perfect student, you know what I mean? I like did everything, my nutrition, training, all my sessions would, would always turn up and you get some people who wouldn't and you know, they'd go out, they'd do this, they'd be probably more relaxed than I was and they'd do better. So I think I always, like my personalities, I put a lot of pressure on myself which probably in hindsight, looking back, affected me in competition because I used to get so nervous for my races. Whereas people who were a bit more chilled than me and who didn't, who weren't as regimented, did better, probably because they were more relaxed when they went to a competition. Yeah, but do you think those traits have done you better outside of sport? Yeah. Because like, I was the same. Yeah. I was not very good. Like I'm nowhere near the level that you were at, but I did athletics and... I trained harder than anyone in my group. Yeah. But they were way better than me, most of them. Like some of them or some girls that I trained with have like been to the Commonwealth Games, are at the Olympics. Yeah. But I I wouldn't say, and maybe they probably work a lot harder than I do now, for sure. But (laughs) at the time it was like my work ethic was better. Yeah. And I think translating that outside of sport was really useful in other areas. And I actually don't envy the people that, have made the Olympics now. I'm like, it. I don't know. I just think it's... No, yeah. I I'm think quite, it teaches I'm you a lot. Sport. It I think teaches it... you so much from a super young age as well. Like I started like traveling around the world and competing around the world from the age of like 13, 14. 
and I'm 24 now. I quit when I was 18, but doing it for like five or six years of your life, my work ethic was so great. Like it just was like even doing my A-levels throughout, I was just great. Like I, I, I can like look back and say, you did everything you could, you did a great job. And I think because of that determination, it's probably got to me to where I am now. Like looking back in terms of how it brought me up as like an individual, like you had to be quite switched on at that age. And everyone's like, do you regret like like wasting all that time? Like it was never a waste. Like just because I didn't make it to the Olympics doesn't make it a waste. Yeah. And also what was, was anyone else traveling the world at 13? Yeah, mm. literally. Like, that's but then mad. you kind of look back now and a lot of the people I've swam with over the years, they they were in the swimming bubble for a lot longer than me and they quit a lot later than I did and now they don't know what to do. Whereas I quit probably when I shouldn't. I, I well could have carried on, but I was like, I'm so done. I've mm. got I've got to find something else now because I'm hating it. It's not enjoyable. Whereas a lot of other people just carried on and then they were just like, oh, I don't actually know what to do now. Well, you're not good enough to do it. I think you got out of the right time. I would argue that there's some people that get out of the perfect time, whether they're, they choose to do that, or whether they're forced to do that. And they are a lot more successful outside the sport due to that. So if you look at people mm. such as you, Harry Akins, he's had, he's been yeah. through like a lot of injuries, but he's got a big personality. And because he picked up so many injuries, he, he had this time and he was looking at himself and he was like, what can I do with this time? And he's developed a social media presence because he's a character anyway. There's a lot of questions of sport and that kind of thing. Look at, again, someone, Sonny Webster, who was forced out of sport, He's done very well from, and potentially wouldn't have done as well if he'd stayed in the sport. I think you look at some personalities and characters like that. And then you look at some people who just continue on and on and on, but never really reach that level where they're good enough to really challenge for the top spots. And, and you then, never hear about them. Exactly. you don't know any of them. And then yeah. you see them working in Tesco five years later. And well, I think, I think it's hard, isn't it? Because you're at, I don't know, what's depending on your identity. age, but like 25, 26, 27. But maybe you didn't go to uni because you were... Yeah. doing Full sport or you did go to uni but then you didn't get any work experience because you went straight back to training yeah. full time mm-hmm. and you and then it like I don't know nearing 30 you're like what do I do with my life exactly yeah I don't want to I, I mean there's there's probably that element to it as well and there's that point of envy from a lot of people I don't want to dob Harry in it because he told me there's probably inconfidence but I'm gonna say it anyway <laughs> sorry Harry he was he's been developing his social media presence because he's obviously wary that one day he's gonna have to stop running. He was obviously supposed to go to the Olympics this year as well. And I think he's torn his hamstring or he's done something to his hamstring he's done again. But he bad. was he was running really well as well because I think he won the British Champs last year. And he was speaking about developing his, his social media account and, and doing other things with, with media. And he said there's so many people have gone really cold with him inside the sort of realms of athletics and stuff, because there's people who are a lot better than him in in regards to being an athlete as a runner and whatever, but he's a lot higher profile because he spends a lot of time on social media and stuff, but he's lost a lot of friends due to that because of envy from other people who are seeing his success. And, and also there's not a massive amount of money at, at certain levels that sport either. So when they see people like him signing contracts with some brands and sponsorships, getting a couple of extra grand a month and they're not, there's always going to be sort of that, that play in that sort of, why is he getting he's running two or three seconds slower than I am because he's got better chat than you exactly do you remember I had quite a weird one there in lockdown so obviously 
you have like a swimming family and you're all super close. And I ran, I very randomly quit after British Champs. Like I just didn't go back. I just didn't go back. I literally nine sessions to none. And everyone's a bit like in shock, but I was like, I've just got to do this. And I well got into fitness so soon, like very naturally went to uni, kind of started the Lucy Davis fit thing. And there was a few girls who were like, yeah, you know, your best mates at the time who I swam with. And when I started posting like my ever first fitness content, you know, like the selfies and you're just trying, like, you know, you're trying to get yourself out there. And they, because I've got one really good friend who I'm still really close with now, who I swam with. And she only told me this the other week and I just found it hilarious. Um, all those group of girls were just bitching about me, being like, I can't believe she's doing it. Like, what a slag. Like, she's posting in her underwear. Like, why is she trying to do all this fitness stuff? And um, obviously I didn't know at the time. I was just oblivious. Like, I just kind of moved away from it all. And then in lockdown last year, one of the girls in particular um, had DM'd me and she was like, oh my God, you're doing so amazing. We'd love to jump on a live with you. Um, can I get some like Gymshark stuff sent out? And I was like, oh, you bitched about me when I started like four years ago. Fuck off. Like it's actually so mind blowing. Like people can tear you down so much when you're trying. I tried so hard like four years ago. I put absolutely everything to what like we do now. And they, I didn't know, like, for, like, two or three years, they just constantly bitched about me. They were so nasty. And then when this particular person, she doesn't listen to the podcast. I'm not asked if she does. <laughs> she messaged me in lockdown, and I was mind blown. Like, I told my mum, I was like, mum, you never guess what's just happened. Because it was so, and it was just that thing where they were so horrible and so bitter to me. And then to try and be all Pally and best It's funny, mates. isn't it? Because like when you're starting something, I just don't something... appreciate it. I just yeah, people are like, oh my god, that's so cringe. Yeah, it's like, so cringe. What are you out? doing? Oh. Like, what is she doing? And then now, as soon as you're doing well, yeah. they're like, oh yeah, we were really good friends. We used to swim together. I know her really well. Let me DM. I her. think it's re- I think it's like upsetting as well, though, mm. because I'm just like, where has your no? Just, just you just don't do that with people. That's like lack a lot of lack of respect. I replied. I was like, yeah, I'm really good. Sorry, I don't want to do a live. <laughs> Have you ever found that though? Because you're now in a position of authority and you've built your business up and you obviously have a lot of knowledge of inside the field that you will get a lot of, either a lot of people asking for favours or potentially people who were not the nicest of people while you were trying, when you come into that grind stage, who will now come and ask for favours? Uh, I wouldn't, not that many favours. I don't know what that says about me or not. But like, yeah, I guess people who I know more like on a personal level who maybe weren't as supportive initially. Mm-hmm. And then now that I guess like, oh, you're doing so well. And it's like, oh, that's yeah. funny. Cause like, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, a bit it awkward, is interesting. isn't it? You don't really know what to say. I've had a couple of weird ones. I think the, the, the main one, just people who they started some new clothing brand or there's someone who started some new business. And like, you post this for me. Well, you've not fucking liked one single of my business post ever since I started, but you're like fucking, I don't know, some guy's got 100k all the time. That's, I mean, that's the thing is people just don't support each other enough, which is, is sad. And then another one literally two weeks ago from a guy, I finished, when did I finished uni 10 years ago? Wow, I feel old now. But, I'm sorry if you listened to this, but it was weird. He messaged saying, I can't pay my phone bill this month. Can you send me 70 quid? I like, mate, I've not spoke to you for 10 years. What the fuck? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Get bent. Are you joking? I was like, how strange yeah. how weird is that yeah. 
was, I couldn't even fathom it. I read that and I was like, delete. Yeah, some you just got to delete, who, haven't you? Because you I can't mean, it probably wasn't comprehend. for a phone, but he probably got a bag of something at the weekend and couldn't afford to pay it. But regardless of what it was for, I yeah. just thought it was weird. Yeah, that stuff is, it's odd. I think, I think it, again, going back to the, the whole fitness and bodybuilding stuff. Sorry, th- yeah, we were way off topic then, weren't but, we? We just delved into our childhood. No, but on, don't on you that- think that actually, just on that note, before we go back to that, I always find, see if I see that one of my like real life friends before fitness, like something that I do or like is always commenting or always really encouraging. That's like the nicest thing to me. Yeah. I like, think I'm like, oh, nice. and also when they're like, yeah. not like I've got mates who are like completely not into fitness, never been to the gym. Don't like, I'm sure don't really care what I do, but they're still like, like stuff. And I'm like, I think that cool. actually, I think people don't, I mean, you guys have like huge followings, but you still notice some people, don't you? Oh like I still yeah. notice certain people and I'm like, oh, yeah. that's so nice that they're supporting me, even though they quite clearly have no interest yeah. in what no I do. Yeah. 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 I think it's well. Like, I sometimes scroll through on likes. I don't do that often, but I scroll through on likes sometimes on some posts because the people, for some reason, who, I don't know why it works or not, it was algorithms or not, people who follow them, they usually end up at the bottom of the list. So I don't see the people who like maybe aren't as fitnessy based or who haven't got big mm. followings like stuff anymore. So scroll scroll through. And it's weird the feeling that you'll get from maybe someone who you haven't even spoke to for a long time but was an old friend like stuff. Yeah, that's the best. I think I spoke to I spoke to Jasmine old friend the other day. And it was so weird because we we obviously went for food yesterday with Steve, Cook and Morgan, which is still baffling to me because ten years ago I would literally sit there with a hard on just watching his videos so does he live in the uk now no they're, they're they basically they're are... they're, they're, tra- they're traveling at the moment because steve can't get into australia and morgan can't get into the us oh. so they were apart for a year and it's kind of well we're not willing to spend more time apart so we're going to travel until some paperwork comes up and says we can go into other yeah, countries it's so amazing been- what they're doing they've been in the uk for two months and they're off to Mexico, next. That's just been yes. red listed though. Has it? Has it? What does that? What does red list mean again? Yesterday, maybe you can get in, but they can't come back or something. Oh yeah, they couldn't come back anyway because they could only spend up to three months here. Yeah, but you can so. go Mexico, America. So maybe that's what they're doing. I don't even know. Well, they can't get into America. They probably do. They want to go uh, to Spain as well, so they probably do like Mexico, Spain, wherever. But yeah, it's it's it must be quite hard not to be able to get into their partner's country yeah yeah it, i just i just miss routine eventually just traveling around so much like that as well yeah i like i quite like routine yeah but on that i think even with that sort of social interaction and likes and whatever i think with the i mean i'm sure this happens in other industries but i think i've noticed a lot in the fitness industry it's, it's almost that zero sum game where if someone else is winning at something, they the other person thinks they're losing. I think that happens a lot. That's why sometimes people fall out a lot within fitness. And I think bodybuilding creates that even more competitive environment because it is such an individual sport. So everyone thinks they're against each other. There's no real synergy with people. But then the people who do form those relationships do better anyway. But I yeah. just think it's people who butt heads and stuff. I, 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 don't, I haven't fully understood it. And I don't know why people do it, but... I find it, and we found it a lot with, I don't know if you found a lot with, P, with some PTs, especially when we've gone to other gyms filming, 
you will get some of the shittiest PTs ever who will just... We've had so much drama with PTs, haven't we? Not even members of gym, the juicy PTs. I just think that becomes comes from a plenty of place of either envy or competitiveness of, of us being it's in, scarcity in the gym. as well isn't it they're like yeah. well you know there's only so many clients fuck so me how many million people are at gyms so crazy though there's one such lovely guy at the gym we go to the pure gym and he spoke to us from day one ever since we filmed there because we have kind of like a collab with them so we can film um, and just like tag the gym and location and stuff and there's one wonderful PT and he's so lovely and he always asks us loads of questions about working online, how to do it. Well, we've helped him a lot because he was the first person to come yeah. and he's just gone full-time online, which is just wonderful. And he's the only one who's ever actually been really, really nice to us because there was someone else who was like, who started bullying me online, wasn't there? Yeah. That guy, PT. And we had to tell the gym manager because I was like, it looks bad. I work with Pure Gym. Your PT is bullying me on my posts. So they had to like speak to him privately and say, "What's well, wrong with yeah. people as well? Like we're not twelve. Yeah, we're like... not twelve. Stop bullying me." I, I said, "Not the most gracious voice in that as well." Because I was fucking. It was just, me. but when I I had messaged this guy privately and been like, "Look, I I don't understand your problem with me. It's really like taking me aback." Um, because his boyfriend started going at me as well, and I scrolled up on my DMs and I'd had a full blown conversation with him about how to edit videos and like a super nice conversation where I'd helped him. And so he got taken in by the gym manager because they were like, we literally work with Lucy. She's amazing. What are you, like, why are you literally bullying her? It was about filming and stuff in the gym. And he just, how But if he I'd helped him previously with the, oh, I use Final Cut Pro. This is how you edit. If we had carried on that like cool, nice relationship could have blossomed into a lovely, you know, help you out. Like I could take tips from you. You can take tips from me. Well, that's what you find if you're like, you know, if you if you want some help, like you guys have so much experience. If you if you're just like friendly and approachable and like, oh, you know, what you're doing is amazing. Could you give me any tips on this? Most people want to help other people. Yeah. And you can probably get a hell of a lot of what you would have to pay for free mm-hmm. if you're just like just keen, friendly, approachable. Yeah. Well, people would view us as competitors in the industry. But if you were like we, I think we connect a lot through lockdown, which was great as well and you learn a lot from other people I've learned a lot from you from the stuff that you've done on Clubhouse it sort of died didn't it but then we we connected on other stuff and I've saved a lot of your posts and sent to other people and stuff and I'm I'm sure we've all learned stuff in your advice first and that's something that you'll get from just building relationships with people yeah and and I think for some people it comes out of a like I was saying that zero sum game of people are just so competitive that they don't want to let it in but then I think potentially for some people just because they're not as social and it's hard for them to make those those connections at, at first as well yeah, jealousy's weird. But I think it's quite interesting to like question what it is you're jealous about people as well. Like if you are feeling jealous, like what what do they have that you want? And like, it normally just says a lot about you and, and potentially it opens up like doors into actually what you want. So most people feel jealousy and then just kind of shut it off or they're like, yeah, I just actually don't like her at all. Why? Mm. Normally, if, if I was like, yeah, there's something about Lucy I don't really like that isn't, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> then oh, it's, it's probably <laughs> because there's something that like I'm envious of yeah. or I'm yeah. jealous of. And it's normally like if you, if I'm, people throw around the word, the word hate quite a lot. But yeah. like if you're like, oh, I hate Lucy. She's always doing it. Well, it's normally because I'm like, she's doing really freaking well. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's jealousy. Yeah. Do you know what it is though as well? Like jealousy is such... A normal human trait. Every everybody gets jealous over random little things, and it could 
could be anything. And I think some people, so say, yeah, that situation, like someone was envious of you or jealous of you, they don't necessarily need to see it as like a negative thing straight away. They don't think, fucking bitch, what? They think, oh, you know what? She's doing so well. I wonder if I could do that. And that's still jealousy, but you're just looking at it in a different form. You're not you use thinking, it to drive you, right? You're using it to drive you rather than, I hate her. I just, all her posts are stupid. Like her hair's annoying me now. Like, and going down that route, which most people end up doing rather than thinking, oh my gosh, she's so great. I want to be like her or I want to do that as well. And going more down that route, because I still think it's, it's still jealousy, isn't it? It's just which, which path you end up kind of sticking with and not sticking with, but going down and it's hard to accept that feeling though because we're always told that's such a negative feeling to have yeah that's that, what I that mean. was the thing that i struggled with at first especially when i that i was going through therapy and that was one of the things that i had to look at was jealousy and accepting it and it, it just being normal it's okay to have those feelings there's, there's always going to be other people that are better than you so obviously you're going to be jealous of some stuff at some point in your life it's just how you then act on it or how you accept it or how you like I said before block it out yeah, I, I like to use it to drive me normally. It normally says a lot about something. It's just figuring out exactly what that is. And I guess that's part of therapy, isn't it? Just keep asking why. Yeah, and why you feel that way. Yeah. 100%. But I think that, that, again, within our industry is huge because you're always looking at something that is visual and other people. And especially on Instagram because the Instagram's the platform that's fucking created for people to put aesthetic or picturesque photos on. So there's always something to compare ourselves to. And with basic human psychology, we will always compare, always compare, no matter what. If people say that they don't care what other people think, they're just sociopaths. Everyone cares what other people think to some degree, no matter how much you say you don't give a shit. Everyone does give some part of a shit. Otherwise, you wouldn't know how to well, base... it's motivating, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you wouldn't know really? how to base yourself on it. We, t- we take society's feedback in order to know, like, how we're doing with certain things. So I think we're always going to compare ourselves. And it's like... But you're only anything in comparison to other people, right? Yeah. Like, even if you look at, like... you're If you say you're rich, you're only rich in Compared comparison to, to, like, the norm of yeah, people yeah. that are earning X amount. 100%. So I think, yeah, trying to remove comparison altogether... It's not going to happen. Un- unrealistic and quite unhelpful as well, actually. Yeah. But one way I like to frame it is if you are jealous of someone for something or maybe you're comparing yourself to them, like remember that you have to take everything that comes with it. So if I'm jealous of Lucy, that means I have to take her whole life. That means giving up my job, my family, everything I've done, everything I've built, like everything comes with it. Mm-hmm. You can't just take one aspect. I can't be like, oh, I really like her arms. I'm so jealous of them. I just want them. No, no, you have to have yeah, everything that's a great else. great way. And I think... When you realize, okay, but I do have, you know, probably one of the reasons I don't have her arms, for example, is I've got kids that I love. I have a dog that I need to look after. I have a house. I've got a career. Like there are other aspects of my life and that's what I would have to give up if I wanted to be Lucy. And I think that that kind of framing is quite useful to people. They're like, oh, and it's a nice way to sort of push uh, gratitude without forcing it as well. You're like, oh God, there is so much in my life that... Yeah. I don't want to give up. That's I'm really grateful for. Yeah, I like that. So you look to kind of more of a yeah, whole approach really to something. Nice to, to be fair it. to him, when we did the podcast with James, he, he was kind of talking about this, but almost in the in a reverse engineered sense. So 
he would have a lot of people who were saying to him, but you're so successful, you got money, uh, financial foundation. And his reply when we were asking these questions was, yeah, but I haven't got what you've got. I haven't got a relationship. I haven't got a potential future family there, like in the relative future. And that's the part of his life that was missing. And I think what, like exactly what you just said, you've got to look at other parts of other people's lives before then you compare that one tiny element to what's going on there. Because you could have so many good things going on in your life, but you will never see it because it's clouded by that. But again, I think it kind of ties into the, the negativity bias a little bit as well because you're always going to pick those holes in yourself and you'll never see those good things that are there, which is going to be just a, can be toxic when there's nothing else. And especially when we've got social media and like we said before, you look at the hyper elite all of the time. It can be difficult to get out of that headspace. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that was James's take on it. I know, I was interested. Deep. Yeah, it was, it was really deep. Like, listen to that section of the podcast. When he was saying it, I was like... I was a bit oh. fucking hot, yeah. It was just really, <laughs> honestly, you can tell when he was saying it, it literally came from mm. the fucking heart. Yeah. Because he's super transparent on social media, but I've never seen him talk about it the way he did talk about it with us. Yeah. And, and I guess, just... like, it is hard to find someone, like, he's basically famous now, right? Oh, Well, sure. he is famous. He but is. That, that is, like, genuine and, like, has an interest in what he does, but probably mm-hmm. not too much of an interest in what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's difficult. He wasn't a fan. Yeah, like, I get DMs asking people, like, for me to introduce people to James. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm like, really? we're not even that close, and that would just be really weird, yeah. but... That would be weird. <laughs> That's a no. Yeah. <laughs> And also what? Like, oh yeah, that's the basis of a relationship. <laughs> hey yeah. James, some random girl's messaged me. Do you want her number? Yeah. yeah. There is some people who form relationships that way through socials though, isn't it? Because who was I was watching the other day? He was on, what's that? It's called Dermot something. Dermot O'Leary. Is he a comedian? He's a... Was it McDermott? <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking I'm getting it mixed up. I think he's a stand-up comedian, but there's some pre- presenting on TV. Yeah, Dermot. Might be, I don't know. And then uh, the Ryan Terry met his missus the same way. So she DM'd him after a show. They got talking. Fucking now they got. Is that how Amy and Ryan met? Yeah, yeah. Slid into the like me and you met. You slid we into my DMs. We did not slide anywhere. There was some sliding going on. We didn't. We actually met at a fitness event. Oh. Yeah. Do you remember FitCon? If you no. don't, that's probably why. Because it was shit. Yeah. It was the. It was like I don't know what it was like. It was just so dead. Yeah, it was a weird event. It was about four and a half years ago now, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've been playing sailing since. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I and think... And when did you start business together? This is funny a funny story. story. Yeah. Did everyone say, that's a really bad idea? Well, so... I was at uni for three years and my last... We met and you in did my business, right? Year. Yeah, business management and events. Um... In my last year, you had to do a 10-week work placement. And I was just going to work somewhere because I'd already started Lucy Davis Fit then. So I was kind of a bit preoccupied doing that and doing uni and dissertation. I was like, I kind of need to go somewhere who's going to let me also run my Lucy Davis Fit. And we'd met previously in a few months before, I think, or something. And Ben basically messaged me and he was like, do you want to just start your online coaching with me like I'm doing my coaching I was like yeah for sure like may as well 
and then I never left my work placement. That's how it started. That's literally how it started. So for 10 weeks. Okay, so the whole relationship started as a, like a business. Well, like, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So for those first couple of weeks, we weren't together and then we were basically together. And then I became a full-time You had a partner at that time and I had a partner at that time as well. Yeah. So Ah. it was... So we cut those off pretty rapid. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Do you know what's so weird though? Like when you know, you know. And it, I mean, yeah, a lot of people like, I mean, my mum and dad were like, oh, are you sure you can kind of work together and own a business together? And we were just so like, yeah, like it'll be so far. And this is in the first like month we were like, yeah, so sad. Why do you think there's so much like, stigma around meeting someone when you're with someone i like i i kind of understand it but like isn't it's like, kind of inevitable a lot isn't of like time. working in a business together no no i mean like you both had partners yeah and it's like some people are like well you shouldn't even like look at each other like, i think oh, yeah i think it depends on the grounds that you're entering that new not even love and relationship on even if it's a friendship basis if you're going on the grounds of a rocky relationship which is on and off anyway i think it's potentially inevitable that some point it's going to end maybe the the kind of the final push over the edge was finding that person that kind of pushed you over mm-hmm. that probably mm-hmm. made that analogy up and i wasn't even thinking about that quite like that yeah <laughs> yeah i think if you're on rocky grounds and someone pushes you then it's it's going to end up that way yeah. but i mean that's why where we were were both at we were quite lucky that kind of a paths aligned on that same basis and it worked out didn't it i i don't yeah, think i i don't think for a lot of people though that you can run a business and be in a relationship. I don't think it would work for everyone. We have quite... Our personal relationship is very different to our business relationship. Yeah, I was going to say, is it quite separate? I think like... I think even the business, the things that we do are very different. Like yeah. I will take on a certain role and you'll take on certain ro- we, roles. We have different roles. Like we're both owners and directors of my coach, but we have very different roles with what we do. So they don't really clash. And if we're having like a meeting or a business decision, a lot of the time I will think something and Ben will think something different. And it's like, we're going to have to come to a decision. Whereas like in a personal relationship, it's like laughy, jokey. And I think we just know when we need to be a bit more serious. Does somewhere, someone wear like the trousers in the business and someone in the relationship? Ooh. I think... I, I... I think you trousers in the business... Yeah, because I think I started this, so I was always going to maybe try that. <laughs> you, a little bit. I think, I think you are just very it. anal with stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No got, joke. Do, do so you think I'm, it's compromise, though? So I had this discussion with someone. Like, Do you think it's compromise if you don't really care? Like, I'm so laid back in relationships that like I'm happy to go with whatever they want for 99.9% of things. And then there's like maybe one or two things I'm like, I will... I don't think, so this is my theory, I don't think anyone should ever have to compromise. I, I think if you don't really care, do whatever they want. And then there should be like one or two things that you actually care about. Like no one cares about that much, yeah. surely. I think yeah, this yeah. there should be free. When you go into a relationship, there should be maybe free non-negotiables that you want from a relationship. And I, I think it was only two podcasts ago, I literally spoke about this. But yours was ridiculous. No, it wasn't ridiculous. What was it? One was, one was <laughs> to be good looking. I don't think there's anything no, that... No, that wasn't the ridiculous I don't think there's one. anything wrong with going, I want to be with someone who's good looking. Because there's that attraction first is what makes you connect. 
I wasn't. Yeah, so you have to be attracted to someone. Yeah, yeah I wasn't. No, I don't. I don't care. If people think I'm shallow. I wasn't going to go after a troll. So you can take that as a compliment. And and then the the other thing was that worked for us is that Lucy was involved in fitness, and I'm so into fitness that it worked that she was well because we get we get to do a lot of things together that I get joy from and she gets joy from because if she hated going to the gym and it was a constant oh, why are you going to the gym it probably fucked me off so it was quite good yeah, that- so do you think that you, like you need a partner that's into fitness or someone who just respects what you do enough that they're like oh yeah I know that you go to the gym I know that's important to you and I'm happy for you to go all the time or I know that that's up there on your priorities so yeah. I'm never going to say I, don't I think go on like that level is fine if you've just got like a supportive partner I think on our level when we're owning a fitness business well, so I, yeah, I, I wouldn't want not. my partner to be into fitness so I can compare really? it to my yeah. I can compare it to my last partner because she she respected what I did but wasn't into it and made it way better for me because Lucy was yeah but I yeah. think everyone's, everyone's different from what they want isn't, isn't it what are your three non-negotiables Ooh, put in say your third so Emma can understand why I said it's ridiculous. It's going to be keto. Because it just pissed me off. If we were going for food and stuff, it would just do me head in. If she, if what, she was, but what about like vegan? Because that's okay because there's loads of stuff on vegan menus and stuff. Like we couldn't go out oh, and drink, yeah, we couldn't go out and drink alcohol. We couldn't have a red wine. We couldn't do do certain it's meals. It'd just do me head in. like, I just can't. What, so you only get three non-negotiables and one of them is they can't be vegan? That was kind of a jokey one, but that was the one at the time. I was like, that's a non-negotiable. But I think you should have probably three. You don't have to have three. That's just a, a magic number for me. But I think people get stupid when they're like, oh, that toe's bigger than a big toe. So no. Do you like, watch sh- Love Island this year? I've watched a lot of it. Okay, so you can't be Hugo. He is, he was drilling it. He got like five gorgeous girls, like, and just said no to all of them. The producers got so pissed off, they gave him no airtime. Oh, it really? Was on the news, is that yeah. happened? Because he was a bit boring. He was being though. so picky. And it's like, look, give yourself three non-negotiables. Yeah. And then, you know. What would your three be? Um, it's hard to think on the spot. Yeah, it is hard to think on the spot. I think like respecting alone time. I also think now I would want someone that's like very much open to working on a relationship. I don't like the narrative that it would just happen. Like I, I think my next relationship, I would want relationship check-ins. Do you guys do this? A what? Relationship check-ins. Yeah, like a weekly check-in. Sometimes I say this and people are like, <laughs> "What is that, that would never work. But it's like, it like, would kind of be like a check-in... I mean, you're kind of like forming your own therapy, but it's like a safe space to be like... So you talk about your relationship? Yeah, well, you. I mean, there's questions for this, but some of them might be something like, what did I do this week that annoyed you? And instead oh, of like nagging yeah, about yeah. stuff, it's just like, oh, Ben, when you were late that day, like that did actually really annoy me because it knocked everything else mm-hmm. off. Instead of just like fuming in your own head. And it's a safe space where you can say it, you can move on. And then you know as well, like... You might have thought, oh, I didn't, I didn't even know that that bothered you. So, like, I guess it's just forced communication, which I think I need. Jordan, Jordan Peterson talks about that quite a lot, idea. you know, because what, he's forced communication. Yeah, and people who just he talks about the balance between good and evil, and about how people just oppress stuff all the time to the point where it just becomes a big conundrum of evil, which just pops up. Because, for example, you could be doing something that just pisses me off all the time but I never say anything it builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up and then it just becomes a total 
Yeah, or evil. even like, which always sounds forced as well, but like that made me feel like that. So like when you were late to pick me, pick me up, like that made me feel like you didn't care that we were going text or whatever. And then you kind of know that for the next time or yeah. even just like stupid stuff like, oh, you always leave the cupboards open. And you might think that that's just nagging all the time, but then you're like, that actually really... yeah. That does actually really. Yes, yeah, so let me give you an example. Lucy, Lu I've told you about this before. Haven't I this is the first one. I think this is the first one I mentioned. Lucy loves cleaning. Loves cleaning. Okay, so it's not loves cleaning. I'm actually on the spectrum of OCD yeah. because I had therapy for it. What's the point? I could be. I'm just doing work and she's cleaning around me or I've got a bowl of oats oh there's just a bit of fucking disinfectant in your oats there as well because it's that it's close or, my ex used to do this if I had like half like I'd be like drinking some like tea yeah. or something put it down gone yeah. like she's like oh well it's just tinky to leave stuff yeah. around I was like I haven't finished drinking it yet I can be I honestly have to lock the door every time I go to the toilet because I'm scared I should come in and start wiping my bum before I finish on the toilet it's that it's that level no, so basically I have always had like the perfectionist. You can tell it through my Instagram. I'm an absolute perfectionist. Um, but it got so, my anxiety got so bad. I was like, this has to be something to do with like the amount of cleaning that I'm doing. And we worked out of my therapist. I was cleaning like not all in one block, but for two hours every day. I was like cleaning, but it was like an anxiety thing to be doing something with my hands. And a lot of the time, like Ben would just do something but it's normal behavior, but I wouldn't see it as that. So we did actually communicate super well, didn't we? Where I was like, I will not, you know, I won't spray when you're yeah. eating. So then you're but when you're done, if you could just clean it up. So I don't like, and to be fair, that was kind of forced communication. Yeah. So you're, you're number one. I think we do on almost a subconscious basis now. So we went But I think what's really good is like a day or well, not a whole day, but like, Every like, Sunday yeah. we sit down, we have breakfast and we go over these questions. And like other ones are like, what's something fun we're going to do this week together? Or, I love checking relationship like, you, day. We yeah, like what this. are you struggling with at the moment? Like what are you, the top three things that mm. are stressing you at the moment? And like just sharing stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Which, communication. Yeah, you like, probably do already, but yeah. it's like there's a space for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah like You've that. got two more. Two more. Okay, that was one. Um, I like that one. I, I mean, yeah, definitely being attracted to someone. I don't but think there's anything I, wrong I with saying that. I don't even think that should be a non Like, you wouldn't be in a relationship with someone. But some people will listen to this and go, oh, she's so fucking shallow. Do you know what I mean? The people have Yeah, but I've not said about, yours sounds about... more shallow because they've got to be good looking, which what, I get. But, because what that's... is wrong with me saying that? Like, it's just a, another human trait. Like, you might have a good personality and you might be good looking and, and whatever else. And there's lots of attributes. There's nothing wrong but with it's, saying. It's odd that you've mentioned they've got to be good looking, but you said nothing about their personality. Because that's the first thing that attracts me to them. Otherwise, you can't, it's not shallow how everyone's not based on their personality, are they? To be fair, you did say personality after the keto one as the joke. Yeah, yeah. For last week. Yeah. But I, I think I said that because that's the initial contact, isn't it? The, the There's got to be a sexual connection there. I think as for me anyway, obviously not for everyone. Some people are, happy to oh yeah asexual relationships yeah mm -hmm. but yeah that was that's a big that's a biggie for me i think they would be really hard though because i think it'd be hard to feel like wanted in that sense yeah. yeah connected um okay number two someone that's gonna call me out i think because so, i think if someone isn't like bullshit i just you get i was bored. gonna say i'd like walk all over them but i probably wouldn't i would literally just get bored yeah yeah I hate when someone just agrees. Like, I could be like, yeah, I can see where Hitler was coming from. And they'd be like, yeah, gee, you're right. I can see that as well. Yeah. No. 
no, I need someone that's going to be like, I don't agree with that. So <laughs> that was such a funny example. <laughs> that was great. But you got your point across. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that I liked about you. You were a bit intimidating to me because you were um, <laughs> a, a bit of a boss in your field of what you're doing. And I quite like that. Yeah. So I think someone who just who's like that it like fits boss bitch boss bitch yeah <laughs> yeah also into independence that's maybe my third one that like yeah. someone has to have their own thing mm-hmm. and it's really attractive and when you someone's do as good well. at something yeah, yeah and like you're bringing like your own happiness to the relationship your own like and I guess just being like fine on your own mm-hmm. I think it's quite or it can become quite unattractive when someone just completely relies on you for everything yeah, yeah. for sure so those would be my three what were your three um personalities my number one have to be have to be able to make me laugh because laughing yeah. makes me very happy so yeah personality and being able to make me laugh and then looks yeah yeah not look yeah no mine isn't necessarily like looks mine's like sexual chemistry and having that like spark and the butterflies yeah do you still have butterflies yeah that's good Ben's just nodding because I just nodded. That's all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Four years It doesn't later. matter what I say, there'll be some kind of sub- subliminal message. That's just something <laughs> I'm thinking about. And I'll get, when we get home, I'll get to all of what anyway, so. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, I think it's good to go through those as well. I think you're, you must be literally only on that now. The second or third female guest that we've had, would you say? Yeah, we actually haven't had a lot I mean, of... Like, you know, Who else did you have? Fliss. We've had mm-hmm. Sophie Butler, Fliss. Fliss. That's it. We were going to have Steffi Cohen, but she oh, had yeah. her fight. So she moved. So we might do her next month. Yeah. And that's the thing that you, you you find, though, that when you're trying to look for talent or guests or whatever it is, and I think IFS, IFS had the same thing when they were looking for female talent. Why is it so difficult to find? Well, I think there's going to be a round table on this at IFS. Like, is the fitness industry sexist? And I think there is probably an element of that. But then I also think sometimes we don't help ourselves either. Like, it is easy just to put out imagery and not put out content. Mm -hmm. And actually, who knows? You know, if you're doing an expo, you're like, oh, this person puts out loads of selfies. But like, I don't know if they've got anything to say or if they can present or if they have that kind of content. And there is a huge element of, I get you could call it imposter syndrome, but just really just lack of confidence in women as well. Mm. And loads of interesting research around like undercharging, how much women undercharge for their services. Yeah, it's something like 40 or 60% less than men. Is that just in the fitness industry? No, this was like self-employed services. Yeah. With like personality wow, traits shocking. as well, men are less agreeable than women as well. So that's probably why they'd, they'd be more likely to, to not take that lower rate maybe. Yeah, I think just generally undervaluing themselves. But then also it's not just undervaluing themselves, but it is like true that they're undervalued. Like the research around who people respect more or what voice someone's more likely to listen to or how, how much they rate it as an authority so a male's voice is always higher than a female's voice, which is interesting. I mean, not really, but not no, great. No, it's quite but... interesting though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, there are just so many like underlying biases there. And it... I think that must play into like female psychology as well. Well, there's, you've got that whole thing like you just said, oh, you were, you were quite, I was quite intimidating, a bit of like a boss bitch. Do we just come across as like 
like bitches do you know what i mean yeah like, well i think instead of like if you're confident is it seen as more of a negative if you're overly like you if you're a woman and you're overly confident that's not a good thing so people shy away from doing it well i think there's also research around this where men seem to come across as like confident and assertive whereas women come across as angry and aggressive mm -hmm. when they're saying essentially the same things yeah. and i mean a, a good example of this is would a woman who essentially is trying to copy James Smith do well? No, everyone would hate her. I think she's a bitch, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, because you just don't get away with being that, like, brash with things. And women are meant to be kind and nice all the time. And people just tend not to like women that aren't that way. Mm -hmm. So do you think there's inequality and opportunity in the fitness industry for women? Yeah, yeah, but I think that, and you've probably benefited from this as well. I think I've benefited from that in some respects. Like, and, and I'm just kind of just saying this to play both sides of it. Like one, I don't think we help ourselves a lot of the time. And it's one thing to say, I lack confidence, but it's another thing to let that stop you doing something. And then the second thing is like, sometimes they just want female speakers. And I'm sure, especially when I started, they were like, mm, there's no women that are like confident enough to speak. There's no one we know who will speak. Emma will do it okay great so I get on a lineup that maybe I shouldn't have been on and then you level up to that right mm -hmm. and then you get better and that's how you like open these opportunities yeah but it used to always be like do you want to speak on the female fitness stage and I was like no I don't want to speak on the female fitness stage like some shitty little stage and then it's all Everyone men on the main stage else, yeah. so yeah I think there is still an element of that and I think IFS realized that they fucked up a little bit on the second day yeah well we we put a few people forward who have then not wanting to do stuff and i think it's difficult to find but yeah obviously i think we'd all agree that we're all advocates that there should be more equality of opportunity but then are you agreeing with the fact that it, there shouldn't be a quality of outcome yeah i mean this is the hard thing right where because i would rather the best speakers same. got put to speak <laughs> And I don't think that always happens because there's a huge amount of like politics and who knows who and who's sponsoring an event and et cetera, et cetera. But ideally you'd have the best speakers now, whether they're male or female, that's just the way it is. But then if you're not given opportunities lower down, yeah, 100%. then you'll never get to that stage because you won't be good enough because you've not had enough practice. So there's kind of an element of both, I think. And sometimes I do think if you can put like a female up there, Maybe that is a good thing. Maybe that encourages other females to show that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think there's got to be that almost give and take element that if there's other females there, then I hope it'll aspire other people. And, and, and there'll be people who say, will see you as a role model who'll potentially then want to speak as well. I don't... Yeah, or more just like, oh yeah, normally we just see girls doing bikini shows or standing yeah, yeah. around or giving out supplements. It's like, oh, actually there's there's someone speaking. I could also speak. And it's interesting because I was speaking to Amelia about this and she was asked by someone if they knew any like business mentors that were female, like in the fitness industry. And she was like, well, she's like, obviously I mentioned you, but there's none. I don't know any. Like, and then I was like, yeah, I'm sure there are. And I was like trying to think for ages. And I was like, there isn't, like no. there's none. There isn't any, which is sad to see. Or I mean, there, there must be some, but I just don't know them. Yeah. That speaks volumes yeah. straight away there. But yeah, there's got to be that give and take. I mean, I'd never agree that there should be five female speakers and five male speakers just for the sake of having a quality of it because I don't think that's right because then there's naturally going to be 
people who are better performers who lost out just in in order to get a quality of the speakers that are that are there. I think that happens a you lot. You see that more broadly as well though, don't you? Where it's like you know, maybe you'll get a job if you're a certain ethnicity or a certain... That's how far does the quality go with a quality of outcome? It just go on forever and you just end up diversifying up even more. You go on forever with how many different groups or people there is and mm. especially with the way the world's changing with the, the amount of pronouns and like stuff like that there is as well. It's It could just carry on being divided up forever. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. I don't know where the line is. And then, like, I, I was very much of the opinion, like, the best people should be there. But then I can see, and because this argument was put against me, it was just like, well, how how do you get to that if there isn't, like, role models for people? Yeah, 100%. And, yeah. It's a difficult one, though. Yeah. Because we were, we were trying to soul search for, for, for other people, where I mean, some people just don't, yeah, don't want to do it. I was to find some women, and I was like, yeah. The other thing that's interesting as well, well is... Well, I was asked to find the women for IFS, which yeah. I think yeah. did a pretty good job of. Yeah. I mean, obviously you were already going, but like uh, Rachel Hobbs will be really good. Amelia will be really good, yeah. obviously. Yeah. I think the other thing that's interesting as well is, I, I don't know, this is just me f- speaking from personal experience. I will get quite a lot of female clients who will come and be coached by me. But I don't know. And can say firsthand, there wouldn't from like my friends' group, there wouldn't be that many lads who would go and be coached by a female. So yeah, and I think that's it that fair. way around. Yeah. I do, I don't know why that is. I don't know why if they maybe see the females less educated or or because the guy's bigger, they they've kind of just looked at it and face value like the window shopping for a coach or a PC, and they're not really looking at the depth of this is what their knowledge is, this is what their experience is, this is what they could potentially help you with. And, and also as a, as a female, potentially have more empathy and be more caring just from a biological point of view. And that's, that's what female personality mm-hmm. traits are more leaning towards. But I just don't, I just think that's overlooked from just going, okay, this dude's big, he looks jacked, I'll go with him as a coach. I think, I think it's a confidence thing. I think it's because you're very confident in your message and that's reassuring to people. And actually, if you're told, if you've got a coach who's not very confident, they're like, I think this is what we need to do, but I'm not 100% sure. Like, there's no way you're going to stick to it. Whereas if mm-hmm. you're like, this is what we need to do. This is how we're doing it. This is why we're doing it. You're clear with your message. That's attractive, whether it's male or female. Mm-hmm. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of females lack that confidence. Yeah. It's something that we try and teach a lot on EIQ is like, now that you've got this knowledge, you can be confident with it. Because if anyone asks you anything, you understand the why. Mm-hmm. And then you can start putting out a confident message and your clients get better results simply from you being confident with your messaging. And I think sometimes that men appear more confident and that's possibly why more women are attracted to work with them. Or maybe why men aren't as attracted to work with women. To be fair, most of my male clients when I was face-to-face were just creeps. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, there's been a, there's been a lot of that over the last couple of weeks that we've talked about, even just outside of fitness as well, isn't it? But there's a lot of creepy guys in gyms who love to prey on people. And I think as it becomes summer and people are wearing less stuff, it's just opens up into a whole world of fucking craziness, isn't it? The post that I did on it absolutely popped off. Like, it was just ridiculous. It is a, it is a issue, but I feel that's a whole other topic podcast. We can't even go into that. Yeah. I, can't even, I can't even go into it. Honestly, but do you know what's so crazy and like a little bit threw me off? The people who were making negative comments were mums. 
and they had children. And I'm like, this post isn't just about like me and gym kit or women in gym, not even just gym kit, like joggers. They could be in anything. It was on the news that there was primary school girls who were being catcalled and they're like 11. Do you have a, do you have a daughter? It was just... The whole thing just threw me the fuck off, didn't it? And it just yeah. went like, Wait, mad. so what were the mums saying? The mums were like, you are, if you go to the gym or walk down the street in like tight shorts or leggings or whatever you're wearing, you're asking for it. Like basically saying, if I walk down the street in shorts, I should be expected to be like raped or attacked. They went in like... The comments were disgusting. I, I always think these them. are like straw man arguments and then something like that happens and I'm like, oh, these people actually exist. Like yeah. I yeah. put something up about um, like some study about men, uh, homophobic men watching gay porn and getting hard from it. And that that happened more in homophobic men than it did in non-homophobic men. And someone commented saying, I'm a homophobic man and I don't get turned on watching gay porn. And I was like, well, one, <laughs> yeah. you've been watching gay yeah. porn. Yeah. And two, <laughs> like, one, on the you web. just outed yourself. Yeah. Who, who actually says outright, like, I am homophobic. And I watch porn. Yeah. How strange. But like, that's insane. I actually saw something that yeah. was similar to that. And it was like, if you don't want someone to share your sex tape don't make a sex tape or something and it was like just comparing it to other things like okay well if you don't want to be murdered may as well just kill yourself just to make sure that doesn't happen yeah. or like just ridic- you know people if you don't want to be mugged yeah. like don't leave the house like it, that's it, the logic of some people though uh, tiktok like that i make some the videos i make for tiktok are just piss take videos and i've got this series going of things that should be illegal in the gym and every time some dickhead comes going well, you shouldn't be able to take your phone into the gym. We shouldn't be able to video stuff. I was like, well, say goodbye to all education and, and say goodbye to entertainment <laughs> that people put online. Are you stupid? Shut up, mate. Like, what are you talking about? But that's the type of people that we're dealing with sometimes anyway. Yeah. And that could yeah. be a whole new realm of topics. So we're not even going to delve into that. But I think you just finished on speaking about, is it EIQ? Nutrition? Yeah, EIQ Nutrition. So where can people find more of you and after this podcast? We'll put, we'll put links to your social profiles and stuff anyway in the, the show notes and the YouTube video. But where can people find more of you? Um, ESGfitness.co.uk is the best place to go. But yeah, I run, I guess, I guess three different services, coaching, education via EIQ Nutrition, which is essentially around helping coaches, not just with the knowledge, but with the application. Like that's our real focus is it's not like most nutrition courses are kind of, more about just learning about macros, et cetera, et cetera. But this is really, there's that side of it, but it's applied to coaching. So mm-hmm. there are some things that you'll learn in a nutrition course, which aren't applicable to coaching or have quite a lot of nuance with them. So there's that direct application there, which I guess is what stands it slightly different than other courses. Um, and then the mentoring is afmentors.com. That's the one to launch this year. Yeah exciting times amazing smashing it yeah yeah do you know what it's been like i've got so much more joy from it than i i like anticipated that i would like seeing other people do really well and like stepping outside their comfort zone how excited they are around things and then yeah yeah it's been one of the best things i've done i think so it's nice of that non-fitness element to it as well yeah so. you can push people a little bit harder as well yeah i can imagine instead of just being oh you know it's okay i can imagine there's a lot of cowboys in that yeah, well, and like so. Emil is really pushy with yeah. things. He's, He's cool. like very 
if you haven't got results, like, why have you not done this, this, yeah. this, and this? If you don't know your numbers, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I like him to call dudes. But if you are um, watching this on YouTube, please uh, like and subscribe to the channel. If you are listening to it, please continue to tag me, Lucy, the school, and ESG in your story because we love saying that you've listened to it. And if you can, spare 30 seconds just to drop onto is it iTunes or Apple, Apple, Apple Podcasts Podcast. to leave a review on the podcast. That would be great. And then until then, Catch you next week, guys. I don't know which camera you are. <laughs> <laughs>